0: That's your son over there. He had a get and work for a gas company, but he had no experience with gas or nothing. You're selling access to the president, just like he is. So you are a damn liar, man. That's not true, and no one has ever said that. No one has ever that. You
1: see no. it on the TV. You see it I on feel the like TV. I do it. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary.
0: I don't. I get up and 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know, and I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on it? Let's do push-ups together man let's do let's run let's do whatever you want to do no one has said my son has done anything wrong and I did not on any occasion and no one has ever said it. Now I didn't one day you were doing anything wrong. I you said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Yes. I get I... your word straight, Jack. Yes. But I you re- re- on the on MSNBC. Oh, you don't hear that on MSNBC. Yes. Right? Yes. But look, Pat, look. Here's the deal.
1: Here's the deal. It, it looks. It looks like you, you don't have any do more
0: backbone than Trump does. Oh. When I'm not old for you. Well I knew you were, man. You think I thought you'd stand up and hopefully you? you're too old to go for me. <laughs> just before, why don't you just get out of here? Stick it up, you're a little bit What's wrong with? Okay, so there's sure two things we gotta do. We have to move immediately back to reestablish all those standards we had to begin with when we left office. They significantly add to and the way you do that is, for example, you are in the state of Ohio, which is the state of Iowa, like they're trying to do in the state of Ohio. they decide which And then we have another program that the court ruled that we were not able to under our authority do by executive order, but I'm going to try to push. And it was, there's a, there's a dreamers program. There's also a program that said, we're not going to separate families. We're going to allow families to stay together while they go through the process. And the court said we well, you can't. You don't have executive authority to do that on our own. And it was and we did that in 1976, and, uh, and, it was, and it was struck. I mean, excuse me, 2000. Backing up here, 2014
2: uh, when we did that. When was I pres- vice president? 1976. Uh, oh, let me. Let me. Hang on. Let me back up. I'll get the year right at some point. Oh, 2000, and I'm going to get there, I promise. Uh, there it is, uh, Sleepy, Creepy, Crazy, Uncle Joe, 30330. Yeah, that's a really great way to endear yourself to people just by calling them a damn liar, fat, and, uh, oh, hey, man, you know, you, know, you, you set up uh, my, my son. I never set up my son. No, what you did is you protected your son, so it allowed him to continue— his zero experience job of getting millions for doing nothing that we know of because he has no experience in anything. It's a, and, the, and the most revealing thing, you didn't see this on MSDNC. <laughs> He's admitting they're state-run TV and they never dare tell people the truth. But they're all feigning outrage over Donald Trump with not one fact, well, one fact witness, everyone else opinion witness, hearsay witness, one fact witness, well, what would you like? them to do to get the money nothing no quit or pro or quo like joe nothing hey jack hey man you man you want to do a push-up contest man come on come on let's do a push-up <laughs> contest um I, I you can't even believe it it's it's so it's so insane we have that story we have the congenital liar and compromise corrupt shift that we'll get to too we welcome back to the program two friends of the program. Uh, Mark Simone is with us, uh, the host of the 9 and noon slot on our New York affiliate. Hey, 10 to noon. Don't overwork Whatever. Me. You know, I should have known you only do two hours a day. Uh, <laughs> Martin, that's tough. I mean, that's <laughs> tough. Joe Concha, uh, host of W.O.R. Tonight, follows this program in New York. Uh Mar-
3: three hours, by the way, Sean.
2: All, All right. right. So yeah. I challenge Simone not only to a push-up contest, but another hour of radio. Uh, good hey. luck with that. He's not going to do it. I know Simone. He's, he's richer than – honestly, this guy – has more money than anybody i know hey jack hey jack yeah. hey, J- <laughs> hey man come on man you know uh so he tweets out today simone does joe biden attacked an audience member called him fat by the way then they deny it then called look, him look, t- fat, look. Look, hey fat uh, then called him too old to vote nobody in the fake news industry covers it and that was the big takeaway mark for me it's like Oh, he's admitting, no, MSDNC's not going to cover the real quid and pro and quo. I remember Donald Trump said to the guy, go
4: back to Univision. He said, go back to mommy. That was breaking news for six days. You called somebody fat, somebody old? This doesn't get mentioned by anybody? Uh, I just want to be a little are you, careful. Are you
2: call me fat and old? Is that what you just oh, said no, to no, me? No, no,
4: And I don't want to take on Joe Biden. This is the guy that stood ah. up to Corn Pop and uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown and whoever else he fought.
2: Oh, yeah. No, the, the No Malarkey Tour. Does anyone <laughs> remember what malarkey is, Joe uh, Contra? I asked my great-great-grandfather, and he said that back in the
3: 30s that that was a pretty effective word. But that's not exactly woke for 2019. Oh, isn't. back By in way, the 30s. To do to a push-up contest I thought about. Don't you do arm wrestling? I mean, don't you guys do that? I mean, that's the way I settle things.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I'd kick your ass in that, too. But, I, you know. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm kidding. I'm being Joe. I was joking. Why are you, you think, you're still taking me seriously? The karate
3: kid. No, I figure you would just, you know, chop me to death. I, I, I thought that was your okay, kind of way of I, getting I, rid I, of right. your people in your dojo. You
2: have no idea how insulting it is to say karate. No, that's not what we do. <laughs> what we do is a is an eclectic blend of the arts and that would include Krav Maga, Kempo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, uh, situational street fighting, firearms, blade, stick training. That's oh what we. D- that's how we roll. Listen, Jack. That's wow. how we roll, Jack. I
3: hope you brought nunchucks with you, Mark, because this guy <laughs> sounds pretty dangerous.
2: <laughs> hey, Linda, would they be smart not to mess with me or not? I wouldn't mess with She's you. She's seen the videos of my training with my sensei, Glenn. All right, enough about me. Um, all right, so... Where does this go, Mark? What's going to happen? Well,
4: for all the joking, he called this person fat and he said, you're too old to vote. Now, that's an important demographic for voters because senior citizens vote in enormous numbers. And don't think that didn't register with a lot of people. Despite who says anything or lets it go or Chuck Todd or those kind of people let it pass, senior citizens heard him insult this guy and say, yeah, you're too old to vote. You're old and you're sedentary.
2: He's just attacked his base. Big time. Joe Concha. Joe Concha. I, you know, I got to tell you something. One of the things people, if you look at Donald Trump, he tweets out, he hits, who does he hit? He hits the swamp creatures. He hits the do nothing Democrats. He hits weak Republicans. He hits, again, more swamp people. Uh, then he hits the mob and the media, fake news. He's not attacking we the people. He's fighting for we, the people. He doesn't go to the Washington Correspondents' Dinner. No, he usually goes amongst we, the smelly Walmart shoppers, irredeemable deplorables.
3: Yeah, look, Sean, the bottom line is that Joe Biden is the front runner for the Democratic nomination right now. He is way... Way past the field in terms of because Elizabeth Warren's fallen back so much, and Bernie Sanders always stays around the same amount. He only had a heart attack two months ago, so that's something that probably is. Now, why are you bringing
2: that up? You're calling him old. That's so mean of you to point out that he had a health issue. I'm sure uh, well, you did you that. Have
3: th- heart attacks when you're young too. I mean that, that, that happens as well. But I'm just saying that that's obviously well. You're
2: giving me a heart attack. You know, you're scaring me with all this tower attack talk. No, oh, but sorry
3: about that. But that's why Michael Bloomberg has stepped in because he saw that Joe Biden clearly doesn't have his faculties about him. Or he's just simply not a good candidate, right? I mean, every day we're playing some crazy thing that he says that you just say, how is that even coherent? So the Democratic Party has some serious problems For starters. The far left is very angry because there's only white rich guys basically left. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's crazy. Billionaires, right? Steyer and Bloomberg. And then you have the Russian asset, Tulsi Gabbard, taking out Kamala Harris. So the left flank of the party is angry. And then obviously the candidates that are left clearly aren't very good candidates. So for Donald Trump, you're just going to sit back and watch this go all the way. I say save the tape to a brokered convention because no one seems to get, be able to, to get a stranglehold on this nomination. There's no clear frontrunner because there really aren't many good candidates. They all have big flaws.
2: What do you make, Mark Simone, on this whole issue? And we've been reporting on it about the congenital compromise liar known as Adam Schiff because Democrats on the House Intel Committee were claiming their impeachment inquiry report this week that Trump's personal lawyer, former New York City mayor, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, apparently had contact with a phone number for the White House Budget Office where military aid to Ukraine was temporarily being withheld. However... Well, we're now finding out, yeah, the wrong number. Yeah, Whoopsie day. And then, and look at it this way. Are they really allowed to get the records and report the records of a journalist? No. First of all, nobody has ever called the White House Budget Office.
4: Nobody wants It's a bunch of boring accountants. The president wouldn't talk to the White House Budget Office. Uh, you've known Rudy Giuliani. I've known him for years. He is absolutely fanatical about the law. He's the former deputy attorney general, U.S. attorney. He knows every law backwards and forwards. Whatever he's doing, doesn't violate laws. The idea, why, why is a personal attorney over there doing Every president had that. Hillary and Bill Clinton had that. Sidney Blumenthal over there. You can go back to FDR. who had Harry Hopkins running around the world doing backdoor uh, stuff for him. So it's perfectly normal. Uh, and you're right, Schiff getting these phone records. You know, if you're a journalist... You've got anonymous sources. You've got uh, Joe Concha. You know, that's the most protected thing in the world. If they get your phone records, oh, yeah. they identify your anonymous sources. That's the first way to identify any whistleblower, get phone records. The fact that AT&T handed it right over, AT&T that owns CNN, by the way, uh, that's a major, major breakthrough. Oh, I think said, it's a huge
2: breakthrough. Now, I'm getting mixed messages because I didn't even see it. That somebody said there might have been a Hannity call for 36 seconds. Was there? I didn't they see found
4: it. out. Yeah, they were you. Uh, they apparently, your phone records. You called this pizza place. You called exactly. The That's all I, call it. I I don't
2: even. I don't even have access to any of my social media, and I haven't for like a, a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, and the funny thing is, you know, I'm like, oh, I, uh, it's five o'clock on a Friday. Oh, all of your text messages from 2017. with Paul Manafort just hit the wire. Do you have any comment? I'm like, you think I remember what I said yesterday, <laughs> Joe Concha.
3: Yeah, 36 seconds, that sounds, I Mark, you on hit the, it on the head. I, that sounds like a pizza call. I mean, what else takes 36 seconds, honestly? So,
2: When I call look, Mario's, I give a lot of detail about how I want my cauliflower crust pizza.
3: <laughs> well, there you go. That's good to hear. Yeah, look, I don't see any outrage over this as far as Adam Schiff and with John Solomon, for instance. You know, What are his First Amendment rights as far as being a reporter? Why are his calls being pulled? And we saw this with the Obama administration when they pulled thousands of phone records records from the Associated Press. They spied on James Rosen, called him a flight risk, spied on his parents. So I keep hearing how horrible President Trump is to the press, but all I know is he's more accessible to the press than any president in history in terms of just doing straight question and answer. He circumvents his press secretary. That's fine. Let's hear from the horse's mouth anyway. And then when you go back to Horrible treatment of the press. You got to look at Obama and the way that he treated reporters. And now we're seeing the same thing with Adam Schiff. And as usual, we're not hearing how this is a threat to the Fourth Estate because it's a Democrat doing it.
2: Well, you know, I got to tell you, Mark, uh, I think that's all a good point. But the idea that we're going to go after, for example, we're talk show hosts, all three of us. All right, so what? We do straight news, right? How many hours can you produce of straight news, breaking story? We're giving you the facts. That's it. Then we do investigative reporting, you know, vetting Obama. or the deep state, right? We do. Then we do opinion. We're very upfront about it. Then we do sports some days. You do a lot of sports. I am, yeah. And, and then we do culture. But we're like the whole newspaper. We are the press. And the fact that they do this to John Solomon means that we're dead. I mean, people, if you don't like what a talk show is saying, what, we're going to now subpoena your phone records and go to these phone companies and steal it? Somebody's got to really bring this up and take this to court because
4: this is a way to out every whistleblower ever. And Adam Schiff pretends to be the defender of whistleblowers when he has committed the most serious violation. A first step a whistleblower takes
2: is to pick up the phone. If that's not going to work anymore, uh, that's the end of it. It's a non-whistleblower, hearsay whistleblower. Uh, anyway, 800 941 we'll get to your calls coming up. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. If this is a counterintelligence investigation,
5: who are they trying to protect? Who should they be trying to protect? Well, if it's a uh, the threat outlined in the friendly
6: foreign government information, you would be looking to protect the election process. Right. Which
5: would include the, the candidate uh, the campaign, the candidate and the American people. Okay, so did they ever brief Hillary Clinton about efforts to foreign foreign influences involving her campaign? Do you know? I, I've heard that, but I don't know for a fact. They did. Good for them. And they stopped it. Uh, was there ever a defensive briefing given by the FBI, Department of Justice, to Donald Trump about the concerns? Uh, there was not. What would you call a counterintelligence investigation that never had a protective element? Um, I'm not sure, sorry, Mr. Chairman. Okay, if without eventually trying to protect the entity Mm -hmm. being influenced, is it legitimate? Uh, It would depend on each fact and circumstance. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're opening up a counterintelligence investigation to protect somebody, you should do it. Did they ever try to protect Donald Trump from foreign influence? They did not brief him in. Is it
6: fair to say that President Obama and his inner circle knew a lot more about the dossier and the scope of the investigation than President-elect Trump and his team?
0: No, I don't think that's fair at all.
6: You think that they were equal on as far as the briefing? As
0: far as I know. They knew, they knew the same set of facts, as did the
6: leaders of Congress. There was no difference between what the FBI told the FISA court and what the Trump, about the Trump-Russia investigation and what you told the new president of the United States.
0: What the FBI and the FISA application said in October of 2016? I don't remember clearly enough all that's in the FISA application, but we sure didn't lay that out for anybody, President Obama, President-elect Trump, or the leaders of Congress.
2: Oh, another, Comey lie, higher loyalty. Huh, Jim, Mr. Super Patriot? Wow, pretty devastating. Uh, all of which we're going to highlight tonight, like we did last night. We highlighted all of Schiff's lies. 24 now to the top of the hour. Joining us now, Jay Sekulow. He is the counsel to the president, chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. Um, you know, Jay, you've been a part of our coverage as well. Yep. You have been part of this ensemble team. You've watched us unpeel the layer of the onion. Everything we said has now been confirmed: uh, premeditated fraud perpetrated on a FISA court for the per- using as the basis of their application a dirty of all things Russian dossier that we now know is unverifiable. The word ver- "verified" at the top of the at the top of that application, James Comey signed three of them. What James Comey just said there is factually inaccurate—a lie. He's been caught in a lot of lies in all of this.
7: Well, you know, it's interesting about James Comey because one of the things that Horowitz said, uh, Lindsey Graham has done a great job on this, uh, asked the question about, um, you know, individual James Comey being vindicated uh, by your report, and Horowitz said nobody who touched this should be deemed vindicated by my report. So I think that was number one. I knew this was going to happen. I knew as soon as Horowitz were to testify and explain— what he wrote in those 470 pages, that the truth would come out. But one of the ones that's getting overlooked was a question that Lindsey Graham asked Horowitz. He said, was the FBI agent spying on Donald Trump when he went in there? In other words, an FBI agent was sent in uh, purportedly to brief the president. Horowitz, it was a pretext meeting, the process by which they have to do these meetings. And then he says, and this is what's so interesting about this, If you don't have a, Graham says, if you don't have a foundation for a warrant, then you can't just pick up and go. And Harwood says, the incident, the event, the meeting was a briefing, and the FBI considered and decided to send that agent there to do the briefing. So the agent was actually doing the briefing, but was also using it for the purpose of investigation. That is outrageous. That is spying on Donald J. Trump. There's no, I mean, and there it is in black and white. Then Christopher Steele. Is it fair to say that he, there was a political that Steele had a bias against Donald Trump, and then he goes through the whole how it was paid for, paid for by the Democratic Party. It was unreal.
2: Well, I think all of it is. I mean, and and this is the point. Let me go back to um, Michael Horowitz saying that the IG report did not vindicate anyone who touched this which was the main talking point of the media mob when this thing came out. But he's only looking at this in a very narrow, he has a narrow purview here, like he's in a bubble because his authority only extends to the FBI and to the DOJ.
5: The FBI, former FBI director James Comey said this week... <clears throat> that, that your report vindicates him. Is that a fair assessment of your report? Um, I, you know, I think the activities we found here don't vindicate anybody who
6: touched this. Okay.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's that, Sean. That's what I was saying. It doesn't vindicate anybody. And now we've got Durham who's really looking at all of this. So I, I think the reality is that um, these guys, like you said, you, you know, the right to remain silent. I would be quiet if I were these guys. And then, of course, what's happened, the FISA abuse, the abuse, by the way, on the court itself is breathtaking,
2: breathtaking. Why have we not heard from the FISA court judges that were, well, lied to repeatedly and given false information? Because the law also requires, let's go back. I want to play for you first as I ask this question. And I want to play for you what Rod Rosenstein has to say about, the FISA warrants, and it's an affidavit, career law enforcement, and and you have to have it verified, and you swear to the best of your knowledge it's true, and we now know it was unverifiable from the get-go. Through the prism of this, I want you to answer that question. The way we operate in the Department of Justice, if we can accuse somebody of wrongdoing, we have to have
1: admissible evidence and credible witnesses. We need to prepare to prove our case in court, and we have to affix our signature to the charging document. That's something that not everybody appreciates. Uh, there's a lot of talk about FISA applications, and many people that I, I see talking about it seem not to recognize uh, what a FISA, applica- a FISA application is actually a warrant, just like a search warrant. Uh, in order to get a FISA uh, search warrant, you need an affidavit signed by a career federal law enforcement officer who swears that the information in the affidavit is true and correct to the best of his knowledge and belief. Uh, and that's the way we operate. And if it's wrong, sometimes it is. If you find out there's anything incorrect in there, that person is going to face consequences.
2: That, now, when you hear that, and now we know it's unverifiable. We know they never went back and corrected the record, and they just doubled down on something that was nothing but pure nonsense to secure these warrants, to backdoor, as Bill Barr said, uh, into the everything world Trump, which is the campaign, the transition team, and deep into his presidency.
7: Well, I think that's where, I mean, this is the whole problem. I mean, the, the, the entire process from start to bottom on this was – was outrageous. You know, Sean, there's another aspect. You've laid it out very well, but there's another aspect of this. This lawyer they talked about that doctored the email to the FISA
2: court, guess whose team he worked on? Bob Mueller. It's a great point. So let me ask you what you think happens here. Now, I'm, I'll go back a little bit. Because Bill Barr, I I think this interview that he did with both, well, Pete uh, Pete, uh, Williams at NBC and then later with the Wall Street Journal and the claims of collusion against Trump were baseless. And it's inexplicable that Obama and Brennan talked to the Russians, but they wouldn't talk to Trump, a point that Lindsey Graham made. And the IG scope is narrow and. Uh, As we learned today, Horowitz did not decide about improper motive with the limited information he had. And, you know, one big fact that I found interesting is Comey refused to re-up his classification to be asked about such matters. And the FBI withheld information from the courts. They relied on the bought and paid for sham dossier that was unverifiable. And, you know, and it went on and the FBI case fell apart. And then add to that, Jay, they withheld exculpatory evidence and add to that that they actually altered uh, information that they presented to the court.
7: So here's what Bill Barr says. The attorney general in the United States, he said they hid information about the lack of reliability, even when they went the first time for the warrant. But, But in January, he says, after the election, the entire case collapsed. When the principal source says, I never told Steele this stuff, and this was all speculation, and I have zero information to support this stuff, at that point, when their entire case collapsed, what did they do? They kept on investigating the president well into his administration. This is the indictment of James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Bruce Orr, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and then go back a step further, and others we don't even know who they are.
2: How is it possible we went through the Mueller investigation and they didn't find this?
7: And then, I, you know, I, I said that on my broadcast, 40... Million dollars, forty FBI agents, eighteen lawyers, and not, they didn't know any of this. We did get a little hint. Remember that little note in the in the report about a lawyer being, you know, removed from the, the the. But they said it was he was a functionary. Not really. Evidently, look. I think Bob Mueller was absent without leave, um, and I think he let the prosecutors run the shop. And look what you got. Look at those articles of impeachment, if you want to call them that. I, you know, abuse of power. And obstruction of Congress for exercising your constitutional privileges? You talk about weak. That's not even realistic. But you know what is realistic? Bob Mueller's report's not in it.
2: You know, that, that that's such an interesting point. All right, so where do you see when, as, as I don't think the Attorney General would be saying what he said in these interviews. I don't think that Durham would be saying what he's been saying um, without them having lockdown evidence already that is damning about a much broader much wider conspiracy and that has taken them across the pond yeah. to great britain italy and other countries which i believe in the end is going to you know as jim jordan said we had four people spied on we thought only two or three but no now we have more but more importantly did they outsource spying on yeah. americans to to friendly uh, intelligence agencies, allied agencies, for the purpose of circumventing American law.
7: So, I think I think John Durham's statement is the best statement. He says he has the utmost respect for the mission of the Office of Inspector General and the comprehensive work that went into the report prepared by Mike Harwitz and the staff. However, our investigation is not limited to developing information from within component parts of the Justice Department. That's very important. It's you know, not limited... To just speaking to people at DOJ who will agree to speak to them. Our investigation, talking about Durham's investigation, has included, and this is important, our investigation included developing information from other persons and entities, both in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., based on the evidence collected to date. And while our investigation is ongoing, last month we advised the inspector general that we do not agree with some of the report's conclusion as to the predication... And how the FBI case was opened.
2: Where's this all going? We'll ask Jay Sekulow on the other side of the break. Final moments with Jay Sekulow, Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice and the Counsel to the President. All right, so I guess sometime in the spring or early summer we're going to get the Durham report. In the right. interim, is it likely? Do you hear as you read between the lines all these years you spent as a lawyer? High-profile, twenty-some odd cases argued before the U.S. Supreme Court. What are Barr and what is Barr and Durham signaling in their statements this week?
7: That they're doing a comprehensive investigation that goes beyond the scope of what the Inspector General had authority to conduct and capability to uh, to conduct. So, I think what you have here is you're going to see a U.S. attorney that has really turned over every rock, and we're gonna, we are going to find out what took place here, not only the irregularities, many of which have been pointed out by Horowitz, but how this originated, why it was wrong when it was originated, and who's to be ultimately held accountable. I think there's going to be a lot of accountability.
2: Well, I think there needs to be. Jay, they, ne- they nearly were successful in undoing a duly elected president, his presidency. Look,
7: they're, 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 they haven't given up yet, although these articles of impeachment basically are a give up. But, look, they tried, they continue to try, and the presidents remain strong, and the Mueller report went nowhere. These articles of impeachment in the Senate will go nowhere, and that's going to be the end of this, and then we'll be on to the next fight. And the next Do I think they stop fighting this president? No, I do not.
2: They're talking about if he wins re-election after he's not convicted in the Senate. Well, we'll impeach him again, even if the American people uh, vote to put him back in office.
7: I, I, think that the risk, I think that's a lot of talk and a lot of yakking and a big mistake.
2: Well, don't you we think there's nothing here either, Jay? First, it was a quid and a pro and a quo, but that was really only Joe. And, and and then bribery and extortion. And then they reduce it to the, oh, well, the executive branch is is protecting executive privilege yeah, and they're seeking about, remedy. Let me tell
7: you about abuse of power. You want an abuse of power? Uh, Professor Turley said this. He's 100% correct. I'll tell you what an abuse of power is writing up an article of impeachment about obstruction of Congress when you're exercising your constitutional rights. The Supreme Court, in a long line of cases, has said you cannot be penalized for exercising rights you have under the United States Well, Jay,
2: when you have three branches of government and the executive and, and the legislative branch are in conflict, well, that would be the purpose of seeking remedy in the judicial branch. That's called... Listen, on
7: Friday we're going to find out because I've got... As you know, Sean, three cases for the president, two up there on substance, uh, one up there on a stay, which may be converted to an order. Uh, and those cases may well, we may know Friday. We, I think we will know Friday if they're going to hear them or not. And they will be the three biggest cases the Supreme Court has ever taken, if they take them, on the issue of presidential authority, Article 2 separation of powers.
2: All right, Jay Sekulow, uh counsel for the president, chief counsel, American Center for Law and Justice. All right, as we continue, Doug Collins, uh, Congressman. Should have been Senator, I guess, from uh, the great state of Georgia. Um, what do you know about Kelly Lofner? I know the the issue of life in particular is important to you. Yeah, I, I don't
8: know. Frankly, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've met her once a, a couple of times, at most in passing, hi, how are you doing? I don't know enough. I mean, if she is going to be, she's going to have to, you know, those are questions she's going to have to answer. But I do know about life from myself because I have a daughter named Jordan um sean and jordan is uh she's 27 years old today uh now she's uh she has spina bifida she hasn't walked a day in her life but she's traveled with her smile and herself more than anything but i can remember back uh when lisa and i were excited she was our first and uh we found out something was going to be wrong and lisa went to school and uh one of the teachers came up to her and said you know you got choices and lisa thought that she met doctors and stuff like that and lisa said yeah we're trying to go to atlanta and the lady said no no you're not understanding dear you don't have to go through with this you have choices and Lisa looked no. at her and said, you're talking about my baby. Well, that, that little baby is my daughter, Jordan, and she's 27. She's her da- She has her daddy wrapped around her finger, and she texts me from work every day. When she goes to work at the hospital, she comes home. Um, don't tell me that life doesn't matter. Life matters from, from the beginning conception to natural death, and that's just something that is personal for me. Everybody else has to answer for themselves. I'm trying to stand on where I am. And, Sean, I know you've always been a strong advocate for that, and, um, but it's just personal for me. Jordan is Jordan. Wow. What is an ins- a living example of what happens in life.
2: I, I, what an inspiring story about you and your wife and your daughter, um, and it's pretty amazing. You ever think, Congressman, we'd be debating, well, we'll deliver the baby and make the baby comfortable, and we'll let the mother decide? I, I just, and I can't, and then 10 states are actually arguing this crap.
8: Yeah look we we deprived liberalism has deprived us into a society where we feel that life is a, is a commodity it doesn't matter and if we can if we can make moral justifications on life as it doesn't matter it's whatever's right in the person's own eyes. I think I remember that from Scripture somewhere, that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Then there is no moral authority. And God is our as our gifter of life. That's what I believe. And then when we begin that we can take it just for convenience or because, you know, the worst case is for me because they don't like it. It's very personal for me because they think their child has a, uh, a physical deformity. They're going to kill it. Um, and, you know, as I heard and was in one of the Sweden or somewhere, they're doing away with Down syndrome. You know how they're doing it? They're killing the kids in the womb. That's how they're doing away with Down syndrome. That's that's just it's just wrong. Life is a precious issue, and you know, from our perspective and your perspective, that's just something we fight for.
2: You know, uh, I've come to get to know you in the last number of months, and I've watched you courageously release transcripts that nobody else would do, and uh, I admire you for it. Uh, and I admire and thank you in advance because I know you are going to be a rock star tomorrow and uh, every day hereafter as we fight back this impeachment, Ukrainian coup conspiracy attempt. Uh, Congressman Doug Collins, thank you, sir. Would have been great to call you senator next time, but whatever. I guess you don't win them all. When we come back, Ollie North. Joe Biden, I've spent a lot of time with Kim Jong-un. No, you didn't. And then, of course, my favorite, I I have hairy legs and whatever this means.
0: And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight. And then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap.
2: All right. Joining us now, um, a good friend of the program. You know, I want to go back, though, before I get to Ali North here in a second. You know, this executive so-called summary... Um. This is the single most corrupt thing that I have ever seen in terms of a, a, an absolute power grab coup attempt. And the president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine on public announce. No, that has not been true. The president's obstruction of the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. No, it is called executive privilege. The president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine in a public announcement of investigations beneficial to his reelection campaign. No, that would be quid, and that would be quo, and that would be Joe that did all of that, not Donald J. Trump. The president removed anti-corruption champion Ambassador Yovanovitch. Uh Yeah, every president has the right to empo- appoint their ambassadors. Obama did it how many times? The president's hand picked agents begin the scheme. Well, what does that mean? His hand picked agents. Um, I don't even know. The president they got the money even this weekend, the president of Ukraine said. What I told you he said. And that is I've absolutely zero uh knowledge of what's going on here. Anyway, Ollie North is with us. You know, one of the things that inspired me to do what i do today was watching ollie north john poindexter uh, a guy by the name of brendan sullivan a bunch of arrogant elitists in the establishment beat up this decorated war hero oh you had fawn hall was your secretary and you bought lingerie at a lingerie shop and he's like i don't know i never bought anybody lingerie and then, oh, his wife reminds him, yeah, you picked up leotards for your daughter's dance recital. Amazing moments, and the country saw it. Now the country's seeing it again. There's nobody with better perspective. Now, Ollie also happens to be one of my dearest friends. Love him. And he's one of the best writers. I've read every book he's ever written. And he's got a brand-new novel out, by the way. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author, de- decorated war veteran. And it's called The Rifleman. And uh, he'll tell us about that as well today. Uh, How are you, sir? I am glad to be with you again, my friend. Thank you. Now, you've, you've lived this. You've seen this. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was listening to you on the
1: introduction and, and of course, the kinds of things that are happening. And it, it, look, at, you and I are both a little, a little bit older than the average listener that you've got today, so very few of them were really witting of what transpired in almost every single case of a special prosecutor and a Congress that believes that they can essentially impeach and remove a president. And back in the 1980s, uh, Right after Admiral Poindexter and I were reassigned back to the Pentagon, it was December, if I recall correctly, 19th, 1986. I mean, I I could see your listeners going, wait a minute, that was a thousand years ago. Lawrence Walsh was appointed as an independent counsel to investigate the Iran-Contra affair. Walsh immediately made it known that he considered his job was to produce evidence leading to impeaching President Ronald Reagan. In the summer of 1987, seven months later, a special Iran-Contra bipartisan special committee was comprised of members of both parties, both houses of Congress, and they held open and closed hearings. Sound familiar? Yep. I, um, I mean, this is unreal. Many politicians and pundits concluded that these dual investigations would lead to President Reagan's impeachment and his removal from office because the House was controlled by democrats throughout the entire reagan-bush administrations all the way back to 1977 before ronald reagan was even elected Mm -hmm. and despite the best efforts of all the house democrats and the independent counsel walsh so-called i call him a special prosecutor neither president reagan nor president bush were impeached here's why because the democrats of the house were fearful of repeating what happened in the televised hearings in the summer of 1987 when a U.S. Navy admiral and a Marine lieutenant colonel devastated them with the facts, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And their whole argument that President Reagan had committed impeachable, um, impeachable offenses evaporated. Afterwards, and you and I remember this man, Henry Hyde, a lion of the House, even though he's in the minority for all those years told me the democrat members of the House Judiciary Committee. Guess who's meeting today? Yesterday they had their first open discussion of this thing and today they're getting ready for the first open hearings of the Judiciary Committee. Henry Hyde said the Democrats leading the House Judiciary Committee were horrified at the prospect of Oliver North and Admiral Poindexter testifying again on national television cuz without any hubris in it, we can't have their butts. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the spring of 1988, Walsh said he could t- he could take care of the problem. He was so disconcerted at the prospect of Reagan getting off the hook, he offered me – nobody's heard this before. It's not my first book about this whole occasion, and you're getting to cover this story first. He offered me a deal. Walsh asked me to come to his office where he showed me, and you mentioned his name, Brendan Sullivan, a lengthy indictment that he'd prepared against me. Twenty-three counts. And then he said – This won't happen if you'll sign this under oath, and he handed me the draft of a statement in which I would accuse President Reagan of lying in his deposition to the special prosecutor. I asked him if I could think about it overnight, and he said, yes, certainly, as long as you promise, make no copies, and not divulge it to anybody that this is a deal. And, of course, I did exactly what I said. I took it back and agreed I'd return the following morning with an answer. We went back to the skiff, and I, without getting into things like divulging what my, my lawyer had told me, I ran the document through a brand new shredder that turns pieces of paper into tiny little pieces of confetti, put the confetti into a plastic bag, and the next day returned to Walsh's office and handed him the plastic bag and dumped it out on the table. Wow! The following day, he indicted me. He indicted me with all 23 counts. Nearly four years later, The D.C. Court of Appeals ruled I had been improperly tried. They went all the way to the Supreme Court. They refused to reverse the Court of Appeals. And the three counts that were remaining against me after the trial were dismissed by the trial judge. And not one person was jailed for criminal acts connected in any way to Iran-Contra. Now, think about what that means. They spent over $45 million, had 40-some-odd lawyers, not counting the ones in in the House committee, by the way. Mm -hmm. the the joint house senate committee and so walsh still made one last try to get then president george w bush just four days before the 1992 election walsh indicted former defense secretary casper weinberger an event that many believed helped seriously damage the president's president bush's hopes for re-election here's the bottom line president trump now faces the same kind of attacks an independent counsel, meaning Mueller, a hostile media, a rabidly crazed Congress, and I gave him my prediction. My prediction is this. The House will impeach him. Senate, The Senate will not convict him. He will not be removed from office. He will then get reelected, and the Republicans will recover and recapture the House of Representatives. I believe that that's going to happen. The model for that kind of Tenacity and courage is in that book, *The Rifleman*. It's the kind of thing that's very appropriate because *The Rifleman* includes the same kind of thing: an inept and confused Congress, efforts to remove the Commander in Chief. I mean, think about this: Washington's appointed as Commander in Chief of the Continental Army, which didn't exist until the 14th of June, 1775. And there's already efforts under the way underway in the Congress. Of the brand new Congress, Second Continental Congress, as it's called, to remove him from office, and that kind of thing is going to continue right today because there is so much corruption. You used the exact right word. There is so much corruption in Washington D.C. now, our nation's capital. It wasn't then. Philadelphia was. But the The capital almost breeds corruption around it. the The, the odor of corruption is rampant in this Congress and in Washington, D.C. If the president calls it a swamp a swamp, I would have called it a sewer. I
2: I am stunned at everything that I'm listening to here. Um, I hope people are listening closely as I am to everything that you're saying. Um, look I I, I I could talk to you all day about all of this, but let me move on and first of all, this novel is I mean it's a page turner. It's gripping. And it's just you know, this is where your mind goes. But people got to remember, when you were, went to Iran, you did have a suicide pill. Uh, you do have a Purple Heart. You have served your country. So that's the man that I know. And you take that experience, and then you put it in a novel form. And I got to tell you, I think this is one of your best works.
1: Well, you kind of say so. I appreciate the fact that you said so before, and you're saying so right now. By the way, tonight, right after you finish your TV show, so mm-hmm. 10 p.m. Eastern times, we're doing a live book signing. I wouldn't dare start it before your show is over tonight. So a live book signing, people can, if they want, they. I'm going to remind in, people to go. In. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, RiflemanBook.com. That's it's
2: very so, simple. So in other words, a live book signing is they can they can cue RiflemanBook.com and they go right. there. They'll see you and they'll talk to you and you'll sign books. Yes. You'll personalize them whatever that they want.
1: And because you're talking about it. Well, it sell a lot of books. I appreciate, and, and they'll get them in time for Christmas. That's the big thing.
2: Uh, you know what? That's amazing, actually. All right. Uh, Ollie North, uh, we love you. Riflemanbook.com, tonight, 10 Eastern. I'll remind everybody after the sh- as we're ending the show tonight. Um, I really appreciate who you are. And I. it's you know, sad I, what you okay. went through, but the experience, for those that don't remember, that didn't live it like I did and you did, you lived it a lot more than me, It's invaluable wisdom that you're imparting on uh, the people, and we we appreciate all you do. Appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you, too, my friend, because you're the voice of reason in the midst of this craziness in Washington. Thank you.
2: All right, my friend. Appreciate you. Um, Rightfulmanbook.com. Merry Christmas, uh, Colonel. You're the best. Merry
1: Christmas to you, too, brother. Semper Fi.
2: Semper Fidelis, Marine. Always faithful when did you realize uh that the epstein family needed help
1: well i was asked by the brother the next of kin to be at the autopsy Mm -hmm. and at the autopsy on day one there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh ligature homicidal strangulation which included and it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what by, by hanging, uh, at the time he was found allegedly hanging by uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets.
8: Are you saying you don't think it was suicide?
1: I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide. Why? Because there are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage, that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation, homicidal strangulation.
2: All right. That was our friend, uh, Dr. Michael Bodden. Uh, he was there hired by the Epstein family to observe the autopsy of, of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, I'm not an, an expert in forensics or pathology or autopsies. You know, I've watched all, I've watched all those shows. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, he was the former New York medical examiner for all these years. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of high profile cases. I I know Baden to be a very honorable, honest guy um, who's great at what he does. The only thing that gives me a little pause is that they say there was one camera that did work because the other two didn't, apparently. And then we have the records that, you know, these guys, I guess, prison guards are supposed to check on these guys every half hour. Maybe I'm sympathetic because I know my mother, as a prison guard for 25 years, had to work 16-hour shifts every day. And you had no choice. You would lose your job if you didn't do 16-hour shifts. And this would go on for 60 days in a row before she got a day off. I mean, literally, you I'm sure you're standing and falling asleep. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm not. I feel bad for those guys because they got charged in this, caught up in this. I don't think they did anything wrong in this. There's no indication at all. But there are a lot of questions here that really are scary. Anyway, Dylan Howard is an investigative journalist, author, um, and he's written a a brand new book, and it's eye-opening. It's called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Betrayal. Wow. And anyway... I'm I'm reading your book, and you've got a lot of details in here that make me ask a lot of questions.
9: Well, Sean, I've been investigating this case for five years, long before Jeffrey Epstein either committed suicide or was murdered. So I'm stacked with document after document after document that is a meticulously researched uh, look at Jeffrey Epstein's life and how he was able to get away with the crimes that he did for so very long. In fact, I'm actually suing the FBI under freedom of information laws for them to release their full case file on Epstein so that this cover-up can no longer continue.
2: Tell us the, give us the general premise of your investigative work, and you've been doing this for five years. Start with the basics. We hear Lolita Express, Orgy Island, as it's been dubbed by the New York Cowboys. Is that
9: true? Absolutely. Jeffrey Epstein had a, the largest he was, townhouse he in was Manhattan. A pe- he was a pedophile. He was a pedophile. Convicted. Who, convicted in Florida in 2005 and sentenced to a sweetheart deal. Sweetheart deal. How did he get away with that question? That is the first of the questions that ask, I asked him. Answer Ed. that question. Well, in typical, typical scenarios like this, the FBI, when they investigate, it's a federal crime, which means the FBI director at the time was none other than James Comey. Instead, the matter was deferred to local authorities, and he got a sweetheart deal. One year uh, with probation that allowed him to be able to exit jail and actually continue work with prison guards. So he'd leave, leave every day and, continue and go on to his office. with his And he was home on weekends. Correct. The absolute most sweetheart of deals, which begs the question, why did federal authorities turn this over to the state authorities who gave him the sweetheart deal? Well, can you believe, in the course of my investigation, I came up with a document that actually suggested, and Epstein rejected this, that he would get away with serving no jail time. So that asks you the question, why was he being protected? Why was he being given all of these benefits that someone who had abused more than 32 young women, why was he able to get these sweetheart deals?
2: Well, I mean, I think that's a great point, because and in that case, he, he pled
9: to this. That was a plea deal. He pled to this. Or, okay, and he pled to abusing minors. Correct. It was okay. under state law. Then, of course, in 2019, on return from Paris, where he had another residence, right. he was arrested at Teterborough Airport on federal crimes. His legal team had attempted to argue that double jeopardy would apply, but there is a difference between state and federal, so the feds then went after him. That, of course, led to the latest uh, controversy and ultimately his death.
2: We watched the disaster that was Prince Andrew's press conference. Um, Others obviously are caught up in this net. Bill Clinton probably chief among them. Um, How accurate is the reporting that they were involved
9: in all of this? Well, first of all, with Prince Andrew, let me tell you, he's lying through his teeth.
2: Well, we caught him in seven lies already, so (laughs) he he does sweat, he does touch women, even though he's a royal.
9: So we actually spoke to somebody who worked at the New Mexico ranch who said that another young woman was specifically told to service Prince Andrew at the Santa Fe, New Mexico ranch. This woman had never spoken until this book. And she says that Prince Andrew had to be given uh, 24-7 concierge service, if you like, at the behest of Jeffrey Epstein. Now you've got an instance where he's trying to plead away his innocence by saying he had to come to New York to break up the bromance, if you like, with Jeffrey Epstein, which is just an inconceivable thought. So the depth of depravity with Prince Andrew goes far deeper. Is than that why he expect. was
2: reluctant to say pedophile? Oh, I didn't want to use a bo- boorish term. I mean, it's like, really?
9: Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Now, with regards to the Clintons, the Clintons have tried to fend away their association with Jeffrey Epstein. But what everybody ought to know is, is that Ghislaine Maxwell, who was the woman who uh, was his ex-girlfriend and supposedly one of the individuals who who helped procure these young women for Jeffrey Epstein, attended attended Chelsea Clinton's wedding in two thousand and nine? This is the Madam. Uh, what's her name? She obviously denies that she was a Madam, but has uh, certainly oh, accused Madam. Accused, accused you're right. Madam. Uh, but certainly her relationship to the Clintons was well known, and she was involved in the Clinton foundation one of the more interesting things however is the Low Leader express that you mentioned earlier this was a plane that i've seen on board this is a plane How did you get on board that i didn't get on board i saw photos okay just checking <laughs> i was just
2: checking dylan
9: <laughs>
2: uh it looks might more- have to put you on the cover of one of your tabloids
9: it looks more like an adult film set than it does a private jet this is plush uh Lounges that not not the type of private jet service you mean with real seats, you know? No, w- no, they had like cordoned off
2: areas correct.
9: With, with beds, correct? So it lived up to its status as the Low Leader Express. And in fact, in the book, we actually print some of the images from inside that. Uh, By the way, that, people need to see it because it's pretty shocking. Uh, it is shocking, but but nevertheless, let me tell you about the Low Leader Express. Bill Clinton has insisted that he only went on a handful of trips with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, that's an out-and-out out, out lie.
2: Do we know the number because it's ranged anywhere between 3 and
9: 26? What I can tell you is that Bill Clinton flew on Epstein's jet 13 times during an eight-day overseas outing. Mm-hmm. They were routinely joined by other controversial characters, including the Hollywood actor Kevin Spacey and many others, flying right around the world. Now, this is not to say... uh that in any way Bill Clinton did anything wrong. In all, I believe he did 27 trips on the Low Leader Express. Wow. But here is the premise of the new book, and the truth is often stranger than fiction. There is a shocking story behind Jeffrey Epstein and one that is backed up by interviews that I conducted with various individuals as part of this book, including a former Israeli spy. They say that Jeffrey Epstein was work for hire for international espionage organizations. I heard the Mossad. I, would, I, I don't believe that. Well, Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, was a media mogul who ran the Mirror newspaper group and was assassinated That's in off Great the Britain. back of his boat. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. He also owned the New York Daily News, I believe, at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Ari Ben Mashali, who is a former Israeli spy, he was Robert Maxwell's handler. And in the late 1980s, uh, Jeffrey Epstein inherited the business. I've also seen photos. Well, let me just, because
2: people have wondered, where did he get all this money? There's been some that questions about that. That has been one that. of
9: the fascinating questions. How does a guy amass a $600 million fortune without a job? He admitted to people that he was a bounty hunter, that he worked for Adnan Khashoggi, who was an international arms dealer, and many others collecting big bounty debts. When did he admit that? He he would tell people in private circles that this is what he would do. I've seen photos inside. I've seen photos inside the, the New York townhouse. Mm-hmm. Not only is it littered with uh, these weird and odd photos of Bill Clinton in a blue dress wearing high heels.
2: Let me tell you, the artwork is creepy. A disembodied and and a mobile woman. Um, then you got the pictures of the bathroom. You got the, the I guess, the... It's frightening.
9: This guy was living- Orgy
2: Island, uh, you have a picture of what you call a massage chain, three women, and he's getting massaged as he sits there.
9: Every room in that house had a camera. I've looked at over 200 images of inside that home. Every room had a camera and was recording into a central, another room that was like a security facility. Next to that was an office with multiple Xerox machines. So everything that was being recorded was being printed.
2: Why would someone do that? Do you
9: believe that exists today? I believe it exists in the home if it hasn't been dismantled.
2: Well, how could they not have gone through it by now? We know that we have images of the FBI
9: all over Orgy Island. Absolutely. And that is the question. The FBI in Florida. Florida has what's called the Sunshine Law State. They release every piece of evidence. In the Jeffrey Epstein case... They haven't released any piece of evidence. They haven't released the cache of documents or DVDs or anything like that that they established. And that's why I've been in a three-year legal battle with the FBI to release this information, because if there was a cover-up, we want to know who's involved. All right. Stay right there. Uh, We continue. Dylan Howard is with us, investigative
2: journalist, uh, dead man tell no tales, Epstein, spies, lies, and blackmail – uh, it's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. If you want to link to it, there. Want to remind you, the only reason I sleep at all is Mike Lindell at MyPillow.com. Honestly, without My Pillow, I, I I I don't sleep enough. But I'm sleeping better than ever. If that makes sense, I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. Their products are incredible, and Mike Lindell has come up with a very creative way for everybody to get great deals, save money, and get his great products. If you go to MyPillow.com and you click on the Sean Hannity Square every day, there's a special. Now, I've told you not only about my pillow, the mattress topper, but also these Giza Dream Sheets. Um, It makes a difference. That's all I can say. It makes a huge difference. Once you try them, it's the world's best cotton, softest cotton. And when you try it, you're going to love it. And right now, if you go to MyPillow.com, click on the Sean Hannity Square, Well, you buy one pair of Giza Dream Sheets, you get another one free and shipping, free. Not a bad deal. All right, get one for yourself, one for a friend for Christmas. Just go to MyPillow.com, Sean Hannity Square, or mention my name when you call 800-919-6090, and you'll get the sleep you've been craving and you certainly deserve. We'll continue more on the other side with Dylan Howard straight ahead. All right, as we continue, Dylan Howard in studio with us. Uh, He'll also join us on TV. We're going to show some of the Epstein photos exclusive that he has in his book. Uh, It's called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Blackmail. We've got his brand new book on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. All right, we'll get into this more tonight on TV, but I want to ask you this. We heard from Michael Bodden. We, We know... Look, it's kind of hard to hang yourself when you're not actually hanging. Now, I know that's possible. That is scientifically proven. But when Baden has suspicions, I I trust him. He didn't say 100%. He said maybe 80%. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think he killed, he thinks he killed, he does not think he killed himself. Sorry. What do you think?
9: Most victims' rights advocates in this case do not believe that he committed suicide, that it was murder. Now, there's no definitive proof. But there is suspicious circumstances and intrigue around this. Why were cameras not working? Why did they miss certain checks during the course of the night? Nothing adds up here. They missed a lot
2: of checks. Two of the cameras, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, were out. What about the one camera supposedly that was dead on that would have shown somebody entering
9: the cell? Well, this is the whole thing. We don't know. The, the, The DOJ insists this was a simple case of suicide. But... We don't trust anybody anymore after all the Russia crap, do we? The hardest place to kill yourself is prison because the sheets are so small and the sheets are so light. How do you know so much about prison? (laughs) (laughs) I've interviewed far too many people behind prison, Yeah, uh, behind prison walls. So it begs the question, did he have the means and motives to kill himself? Was he able to be given the chance to kill himself? That's clear. I think that part's been established.
2: The question I want to know is does... Is there in existence a tape? The other thing I want to know is you said all these bedrooms at, you know, Orgy Island were videotaped. I want to know if they found that information.
9: Well, the government has not released any details of their uh, raid of Little St. John Island uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Orgy Island, it's easier to say. (laughs) Or what they found inside the New York penthouse. Or Santa Fe. So we have two months for the FBI to respond to my freedom of information lawsuit. And what is critical to that is determining what took place. How did he get a sweetheart deal? And could this have been prevented? Because that's the great tragedy of all of this. Young women were abused. A sex trafficking ring was able to operate. Why, how, and who allowed that to happen? I share your passion. You know what, I'm kind of libertarian in
2: people, adults' lives. Leave children alone. Absolutely. All right. Dylan Howard, uh, fascinating read. Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, Blackmail. It'll be interesting to see. Come back when your Freedom of Information uh, Act request is acted on. Quick break. We'll come back. Wide open telephones. His book is on Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. All right. Before we get to your phone calls, 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. So, you know that we have now aligned ourselves with our good friends at Nine Line Apparel. Now, this is a veteran-owned, operated company. If you want to get your quid, no quid, or get hashtag quid pro quo, Joe, those T-shirts are up there uh, on Hannity.com. They're amazing. And by the way, they got involved very early to help Eddie Gallagher. If you remember, the Navy SEAL, one of three men pardoned recently by President Trump after Thanksgiving. Anyway, so Eddie and Tyler, and Tyler Merritt is the CEO and founder of Nine Line Apparel. They've teamed up and literally are here to tell us about Eddie's retirement from the military, the next phase of his career working with our friends, our partners at Nine Line. By the way, if you want to see the great gear, great Christmas gifts, just go to Hannity.com. And they have their brand new salty frog gear line. And by the way, their charity work, which is amazing. Uh, anyway, Eddie met Tyler uh, once on deployment, but it wasn't until Eddie's case became public that the two men were fully acquainted and become friends. And during the course of the case, Nine Line was there to help and speak up for him when, frankly, very few people would. I got to give a shout out to people like Bernie Carrick and Pete Hegseth and a bunch of others, too. Anyway, quote, they treated us like gold, that he said. It opened my eyes that the brotherhood goes on. And there was a big fight even after the president set Eddie free in this case, oh, then they want to take his rank away. Then they want to take his retirement away. Uh, So we welcome back to the program Eddie Gallagher and uh, the CEO, co-founder of Nine Line Apparel, Tyler Merritt. All right, so your case is now fully resolved. Did you get your full retirement with the proper rank?
6: I did, Sean. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I uh, officially retired uh, the other day and uh, retired with all the benefits that I earned over the past 20 years which was a huge blessing. I
2: couldn't believe that there were people fighting to take that from you. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know, liberals don't just want Paul Manafort in jail for tax evasion and lying on a loan application. No, they want him dying in jail. They want a death sentence. It's like, man, there's like zero compassion. Anyway, so Tyler, you met Eddie in the course of all of this. And now you guys have partnered together. Tell us about it.
10: Yeah, this case kind of exemplifies why this president is the commander-in-chief our country needs. Uh, the the fact that it came this far, the fact that we put Eddie through this this hell uh, after serving our country for almost 20 years, putting him in prison for uh, almost nine months, and, and putting his family through the uncertainty of He survives multiple combat deployments, but he might go to jail for the rest of his life. And without the president's intervention, that would have happened. Without the intervention of Pete Hegseth and other individuals that were very vocal, uh, Eddie, who is an absolute hero, uh, could have paid the the ultimate price for just being caught in a crossfire between the left and the right. And the left has a very clear agenda. They want to villainize people like Eddie, and they want to promote uh, companies, say, like Nike, who who pick their brand ambassadors uh, as people like Colin Kaepernick, a person I like to consider a man-child. You know, we like to pick our brand ambassadors uh, out of heroes. You know, we we have Eddie Gallagher. We have uh, Mark Geist, one of the survivors from Benghazi. Those are the people that we like to work with, and I'm so excited for this next chapter in Eddie's life where he can literally drive across country and be reunited with this family, but then also start this new venture of ours. And and SFG, this is going to be a really amazing product. We're going to be competing against Columbia's PFG for that coastal lifestyle brand with an edge. And uh, I couldn't think of a better brand ambassador than Eddie Gallagher.
2: Well, I'm glad that it all worked out for both of you, seriously. And, you know, look, I I guess this is probably the greatest Christmas you're going to have, Eddie Gallagher. It's sad that we send brave men to go fight wars we start wars with all the best of intentions all the all the confidence and rigor and commitment and then these wars keep getting politicized and i'll be honest i i've just gotten to the point where i we cannot do this anymore we can't put handcuffs on guys in battle and second guess them and say well you you can't shoot unless you've been fired at first uh if you wait that long you may be dead and then they're going to try you if you do shoot first So I'm I'm urging everybody that I can to get the next generation of weaponry, both offensive and defensive, so that we fight our wars from Tampa, Florida and push buttons the way the president pretty much beat back the caliphate in Syria uh, without handcuffs, because we can't do this to people like you anymore. We can't. Clay Lawrence and how many others?
6: Exactly. And I think that's, you know, the message that the president sent by uh, getting involved. It was a pretty strong message saying he's going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our warfighters and not, you know, show the people that we're not disposable. We can't be treated this way. You know, we've been fighting a war for almost two decades now. And, uh, you know, you can't once politics and all the other bureaucracy gets involved in war. You, I mean, we see what happens. And I think the president is showing a, a strong message saying that he has our war fighters' backs.
2: Well, I appreciate it. And, Tyler, last point, if people want to get a hold of your apparel, be on my website, Hannity.com. How can they do it?
10: Yeah, obviously on your site, uh, but also at uh, Uh, NineLineApparel.com.
2: By the way, how's my Quid Pro Quo Joe T-shirt selling?
10: (laughs) It's selling like (laughs) hotcakes. The the message is very clear, and I think it seems to be resonating very well
2: uh, with all the You can get that if you go to Hannity.com, hashtag Quid Pro Quo Joe. He apparently hates it. We saw the meltdown yesterday. <laughs>
10: yep, yep. And we've got uh, many more in the hopper that I'm sure he will also not like. But that's, uh, that's one of the great things about living in this country. We get to speak our mind without being stoned to death.
2: So uh, I'm a big fan. All right. Thank you, Tyler Merritt. Everything's linked to Hannity.com. Eddie, I would imagine this is going to be the best Christmas you've had in many years. And uh, thank you for your service to your country.
6: Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, advocating for me this whole time. And, uh, yes, I will be joined.
2: You can thank Ber- Bernie. Bernie is the one that I'm like, Bernie, I read this article. It doesn't look good. And he goes, you got to trust me. He's screaming at me. Screaming. Oh, yeah, <laughs> He got in my <laughs> Bernie face.
6: Carrick, oh. Bernie Carrick is our new godfather. That's
2: uh, for sure. Uh, that's awesome. Huge All right, guys. Blessing. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today Hannity tonight 9 Eastern we are loaded up yeah the it's all happening the news you won't get from the mob set your DVR we got great information tonight 9 Eastern Hannity Fox News we'll see you tonight at 9.